And in a sense, the reason why people cheat, um, I put down to an equation. And this is the equation. We've got a problem plus poor communication plus temptation equals an affair. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. You are listening to Don't Be Afraid to Talk podcast with James. If you are listening for the first time, you are welcome. Talking and listening is key for growth, and I hope our stories will bring us together and we can draw inspiration from each other. Conversation will include topics such as mental and physical health, trauma and its effect, suicidal thoughts, recovery, and well-being. We will continue to raise awareness and offer a different perspective a mindset or an idea that could inspire you to take charge of your well-being and to grow as a human being. Thank you for joining us today and welcome to another episode of Ask the Therapist. Today, I'm joined by Andrew, who is UK's best known marital expert <laughs> and has written over 20 books. So if you're listening to, to our conversation, have an open mind and we hope that you can learn something from today's episode. Andrew, how are you? Hello, I'm fine. Thank you. It's great to be a guest on your podcast. Thank you very much. Can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, my name is Andrew G. Marshall. I'm a marital therapist. I've been doing this Um, and I have to pinch myself to realise, for 35 years. It seems like five minutes, to be perfectly honest. Um, And uh, over that time, I've obviously seen a lot of couples, and actually I've written quite a few books. Uh, My best-known books are called I Love You But I'm Not In Love With You, and How Can I Ever Trust You Again, which we're going to be talking more about. Yeah. I do have specific books that actually go into this area uh, for men and for women. The man's book is called My Wife Doesn't Love Me Anymore. And the woman's um, book is called uh, My Husband Doesn't Love Me and He's Texting Someone Else, which possibly gives you a sense of how men and women uh, respond differently to uh, their partner falling out of love. Mm. Um, so uh, the other thing that's interesting about me is I also have a podcast too. My co- podcast is called The Meaningful Life with Andrew G. Marshall. And um, I interview lots of people about what makes their life meaningful. And I think meaning is going to be a topic we're going to come back to over and over again, because one of the problems that causes infidelity is a crisis of meaning. Because mm. um, if you have a purpose to your life, that you're here for something like um, to be a father, a mother, or there's something that really you feel sent here to do, like to encourage people to talk. Mm. That might be the reason why you're here. Um, Life is tough, but it's actually much easier than sort of just drifting around trying to feel good from moment to moment. So although it's not specifically about infidelity, I've, uncovered, I've covered this subject on a, a couple of occasions, and we look at um, lots of different ways that your life could become more meaningful and the things that are actually stopping your life from being meaningful. For example, um, a forthcoming edition is all about anxiety. Mm. Um, mm. I've covered um, all sorts of relationship issues like attachment theory and boundaries. So if you're interested in uh, relationships, I suggest you have a listen to the podcast. Once again, it's called uh, The Meaningful Life with Andrew G. Marshall. Yes, I've seen it. Very very good. Very good. (laughs) So, yeah, I'm glad to have you here. Before we get going, we're just going to play a quick game called One for One. I'll give you a word. And you say the first thing that comes to your mind. <laughs> my gosh, you're completely and utterly shocked me now, but I will do my best. <laughs> they, they're not scary words. Um, so the first one is opinion. Divided. Achievement. Overrated. Poetry. Wonderful. Dynamic. Music. And last one, excitement. 
passion. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, that wasn't too painful. No, <laughs> no. I know if someone said it to me, I'll literally be sweating. <laughs> um, yeah, so we get cracking on our questions that I have here. So today's topic, we're going to discuss infidelity. So my first question is, hi, Andrew, why do men and women cheat psychologically? What's happening? Okay, I... If this is happening to you at the moment, I have uh, a lot of sympathy and compassion for you because this is possibly one of the most common terrible things that can happen to people. It turns their life upside down. Everything they took for granted suddenly is full of mystery and also pain. However, um, I think it's something that's really important to remember. A lot of couples come into my office um, with infidelity and they're the ones that always arrive with the most crisis and pain but they're nearly always the ones that leave feeling the best and the reason for this is there is something about infidelity that makes you go deep into the problem you uh, you sort of most couples know what the problem <laughs> areas are and they'd rather not go there you know for example um, she earns more than he does or he hates her mother. And people don't talk about that stuff because it's just not mm. nice. But after infidelity, you're prepared to go into even those dark corners and sort them out. And so although infidelity turns your world upside down, sometimes some things come out from under the stone of the relationship that are actually worth exploring. So, um, And in a sense, the reason why people cheat, um, I put down to an equation and this is the equation. We've got a problem plus poor communication plus temptation equals an affair. Mm -hmm. So you're not responsible for the temptation. You can't sort of try and shut down temptation. Um, you might like to think about the communication between the two of you. Why were you not able to talk um, about something? So I think that is a, an area that you might want to look at more closely. And then the first uh, part of it is a problem. And most times the problem actually is something that belongs to the individual. It might be something from their childhood. It might be the way they're responding to something that's happening today. But this is the sort of the deep material that we eventually need to get to. Mm. Unfortunately, when there's an affair, most people concentrate on the temptation um, they forget about the communication. Often communication, I mean, sometimes it gets better because they really do talk yeah, and they yeah. talk for hours and hours and hours, but they can sometimes go round and round in circles. Um, and so it's important to improve the communication and actually find out why your communication isn't working as well as it should do. But anyway, if you want to know why there's been an affair, it's three parts to it. What is the underlying problem? What has stopped your partner from talking about it? Now, it could be something to do with them that they're actually not very good at speaking. Yes. But it could be that they tried to speak and you weren't able to hear them or you shut them down because what they said was too frightening. And then we've got the temptation. You know, the other person's got baby blue eyes, for example. Um, and there's, that all adds up to mm. an affair. Mm. So, look, so look at the problem. Start with the problem because... We normally start with the temptation. Yeah, I think once you find out about an affair, you just dive in where the pain is. So, you know, the first yeah. question you want to know is, who is it? Why were they so gorgeous? And why don't you love me anymore? And those are all perfectly good questions. But, um, you know, this is a long-term thing. You know, it's going to take, and please don't sound too depressed if I say it's going to take a couple of years to get over this. Um, you know, it's not going to be hell the whole time. But, you know, you're not going to get through this in a weekend, sadly. Mm, mm, thank you. Thank you. And my next question is, what is emotional affair? Well, what people mean by an emotional affair is um, when, in theory, there hasn't actually been any sex. And most people define sex as intercourse or oral sex or mutual masturbation so they're only friends but most emotional affairs if you actually scratch a little bit under the surface there's been plenty of kissing and cuddling and 
to be honest, most people really, you know, if you say, oh, well, it was only an emotional affair, I don't think your partner's going to be very grateful that you held back. No. They're going to be more upset about what you did. And actually saying it was only an emotional affair is actually minimising what happened and therefore you're telling your partner, don't be so upset, your feelings are not valid. So it doesn't really take you anywhere. No, so you're kind of more saying, well, Okay, I've done this, but it could have been worse. So be grateful. <laughs> well, no, sorry, grateful is the wrong word, but yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you are yeah. putting it exactly how it comes across. And, you know, as you realised, it's not pretty. Mm, mm, yeah, thank you. <laughs> My next question is, is having an affair a symptoms of a larger issue that needs to be addressed? Most definitely so. Um, this idea that suddenly somebody out of the blue is just going to decide they're going to turn their whole life upside down or risk turning their whole life upside down for no reason whatsoever beyond, you know, they were a bit bored. I think they probably don't know themselves very well. You know, we have what is called the unconscious. Do you know what the unconscious is? Mm, the your thinking part that pulls the string most of your actions. <laughs> yeah, we have our ego, which sort of is in charge of us, the, the part that says, I must turn up at this time to record this podcast. And then we've got the unconscious bits, the things that we're not aware of, but are actually driving us on um, in many ways. So um, I think you need to be aware of both of those things. Mm, what's driving the behaviour, yeah, yeah. And my next question is, what is worse, uh, the lying or the betrayal? Um, it's a bit like saying, um, which do you like best, fish or chips? <laughs> um, they just they they just go together. You can't have betrayal without lying. And um, generally, people lie because they're betraying you. So you know, it really they're both horrible, mm. um, and they sort of are intertwined with each other. Mm. Mm. Yeah, sorry, I was trying to think of my next question, but that's fine. <laughs> I was trying to pick a question from what you're saying, but that's fine. And I'll move on to my next question. What to do when your partner is texting someone else? This sounds like one of your books. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, the first thing to do is do not minimize it. You know, don't think, oh, there's just a few texts and it can't be anything very serious. And listen to them too much when they say, oh, they're just a colleague from work and, you know, we're doing a work project. Because something, and we're back in your unconscious, something in your unconscious is going, look out, you know, ding, 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 pay attention. And you need to listen to those voices deep inside you. Often what happens is because we trust our partner so much, we've chosen somebody who we think is so trustworthy, he would never, ever cheat on us because they are a good man or a good woman. Maybe their father cheated on their mother, so they would mm. never do that. So we have this image and we're determined to actually preserve it, even though our unconscious is saying, actually, your partner is behaving really strangely, that um, he's guarding his or she's guarding her phone, spends 55 minutes in the bath. Um, yeah. <laughs> there's something going on. So don't minimise it. They Don't allow them to minimise it. So that's one end. At the other end of the scale, don't come rushing in, you know, with um, the, the Spanish Inquisition and tie them to a chair and beat them around the face till they tell you the answers. Um, and obviously nobody's going to actually do that, but the mental version of it so that, you know, you are, you're, you're going, to, going to go in full throttle. So they're actually, they're going to become very defensive or they're going to turn around and start getting critical of you and it's all going to explode and we're not going to have any kind of decent no. conversation. So, you know, I would be trying to have a, you know, how are you feeling about life at the moment? You know, is our relationship what you expected? Are the things you'd like to change? You know, you're having a general conversation um, and 
into that general conversation comes things like, you know, I'm concerned about the amount of time you're spending on your phone. Mm. You're not available for us. You know, what's going on? That is more likely to get something than going in with the Spanish Inquisition or just pretending you've seen nothing. But it's really difficult. It's a very difficult way to, to mm. thing to deal with. Um, you know, I have written a whole book on the yeah. topic because um, it is a very fine line, you know, actually finding out if your partner has detached from you, you know, why have they detached from you? Can you nip it in the bud before it gets bad? Or have you just found something that is truly serious? Um, but take it one step at a time, mm. you know, open questions. You might get the truth, you might not, but at least you're not minimizing it. Yeah, so, yeah, start a conversation, but don't rush straight into it, which they might get defensive. Yeah, and, you know, you can ask, are you having an affair? Um, but if you say, you lousy, cheating bastard, <laughs> confess all to me, I think they're very unlikely to confess all. Mm, mm, yeah. Yeah, thank you. And my next question is, what should we do if a partner had an affair? Right. If you've just discovered that your partner has had an affair, my number one thing to do would be don't panic. Because when we panic, we make the worst kind of decisions. And the two worst things you can do and if you've done these, don't worry, because it's just natural human to, to do it. But, you know, if, you, if you're listening to this podcast because, you know, you've just found out, you've, you've Googled podcast, getting over affairs, <laughs> yeah. and here you are. So don't make any long-term decisions now. You're in shock. So the two long-term decisions people make is, it's okay, I forgive you, before you've actually found out exactly what it is. Um, and you've actually lost quite a bit of leverage because if you've forgiven them and it's all going to be fine, um, they've got no incentive to, to actually tell you really what's going on. Mm, okay. And the other, one, the other one is to throw them out straight away because with them will be going all the questions you want answered. So, you know, don't make any decisions. If you can't stand the sight of them, you know, go away and visit your your mother for the weekend. You know, take a actually step out, but don't make any big decisions. Mm. Yeah, the, the first reaction is to panic. And then you're constantly trying to make a decision sooner because you don't want to prolong it. But if you rush the decision, you might not find out the real reason why. Yeah, and you've got the. This is going to impact for the rest of your life. So you know, let's let's have that weekend away with your mum just to sort of get a bit of TLC, breathe, and get a bit of emotional support. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, tough times. Yeah, can't even imagine. Um, my next question is: Why should you forgive after an affair? Um, I don't think you should do anything. Um, and if you are not ready to forgive them, please don't forgive them. Um, it's got to be something that comes genuinely from the heart. And I think people have got to earn forgiveness, to be perfectly honest. Um, mm. You know, if they are working hard to try and repair things, um, if they are looking at themselves and doing work on themselves as well as um, helping you recover as well, um, I think that's probably something that might actually give them quite a few points towards forgiveness. Um, in the long term, you know, it's going to help you move forward, but it's not a magical solution. People say, oh, you should forgive. No, <laughs> wait until you're actually ready to forgive, you know. Um, they might sort of say to you, oh, how can we ever move on if you won't forgive? Um, if you're not ready to forgive, it probably means there's more work to be done. And that's fine. Let's do the work. Mm. It, is there a, a point where you can't, okay, so they've had an affair and you have, you're still in a forgiving process and they've had another affair. Is that like a red flag to just say, look, this is... Uh, 
they obviously not doing the work. <laughs> well, um, a second affair um, is is a pretty much a black mark against their name. I think what's more mm. likely to happen is they're likely to go back to the original affair partner. That is something that happens far more often. Um, and sometimes it takes a while for the affair brain to actually explode. Um, the thinking, the slightly bizarre thinking, the corrupted thinking that actually gets you into the space that you're going to have an affair um, one would like to believe that when suddenly you realise that all of the secrecy has popped and you're actually aware of just how much damage you've done, that that will clear the mind. Sure. But unfortunately, because that what will come up with the clear mind will be a huge bucket load of shame, um, and nobody likes shame, do we? We'd rather no. not look at it. So... One of the ways of avoiding shame is to feel loved again. And so if your pusher, and this is the, um, this is the affair partner, um, who are pushing the affair of cheap sex and uh, uh, easy adoration, if your pusher phones up and says, I love you so much and I'm missing you so much and my life is empty without you, um, you know, and you're, you've just had another... 17 hours worth of misery over the same <laughs> yeah. old arguments unfortunately weak people then trot round to see a fair partner and think well actually maybe i made a mistake maybe i should be with the love of my life mm. um and then that's how they get into the affair for the second time so as i say sadly um, a fair brain doesn't just pop out with discovery. So I think people are far more likely to go back for a second time. Um, and um, generally, I think I would be far more forgiving of actually being dragged back into it by the affair partner mm. than going around and finding a completely new person to cheat with but yeah. it's up it's up to each person and each circumstance to decide what is what is best What's, for them and what they can what they can cope with yeah if you can't cope with it then it's, it's probably time to step away yeah yeah you just let, They're going to be in a good environment. Yeah, let them go off and um, spend time with the love of their life and probably within 48 hours they'll realise that they've made a bit of a mistake and been knocking on your door. Or it might take a couple of weeks. But, you know, if you can't cope, step away. Um, regroup, look after yourself and when the panic has subsided you might be in a better place to make a longer-term decision. And actually, if you're, if they are doing a bit of a yo-yo between the two of you, I would really mm. recommend getting yourself a therapist because you do really need some heavy-duty support to deal with that. Mm, definitely, definitely. Thank you. And my next question is, what is about the affair that the person is seeking? Well, I think it depends from person to person. And what I'm going to say is it depends on the wound. And a lot of us have wounds from our childhood, um, from something. And I'm not talking um, necessarily about something particularly dramatic that or horrible that happened in the woodshed sort of kind of thing. Um, it, the, the wound could be being not seen. The wound could be being... Um, having your self-esteem slapped down. Um, mm. So that it really depends on the wound um, and how people deal with the wound. Some people try and divert themselves away from the wound. So they've got pain because, let's say, for example, their father left when they were very small and that made them feel um, unworthy. Now, they didn't actually think this logically, but this no. is the message that they've somehow managed to digest and it's sitting as a wound here that I am unworthy. Or people will leave me. Um, and so some people who are worried that people are going to leave them um, get the leaving in first when, the problem, when there's a problem in the relationship. So mm. things are not going very well with their partner and they think, oh, blooming heck, they're going to leave me. This is all unconsciously. 
And so they're looking for somebody to um, to rescue them. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes people can't cope with problems. They can't cope with conflict. So they escape. And to start off with, they just escape into their own mind or they escape to the allotment. Um, and then after a while, they escape to the woman down the road. So it depends what they're seeking um, mm. is, is the answer to this question. Yeah. You mentioned not being seen. So if someone that has that wound growing up, would that be what, not the reason, but if they're in a relationship and they met someone that kind of makes them feel seen, the temptation might be there because they, they are looking for that need. Yeah. And sometimes the um, the the day to day business of running a family, bringing up children, earning means you haven't really got an awful lot of time to sit there in, in on the sofa and look into your beloved's eyes for. Um, and what would be really nice is if they had the emotional maturity to say, actually, you know, I need more time mm. with you. Um, and it would be great if their partner could hear that. Um, but sometimes the partner's way of dealing with problems is to make a list of them and work their way through them. And they're saying, well, yeah, I'd love to see you um, and I'd love to go out with you, etc., etc. But we've got to take our daughter to ballet lessons and our son needs this and therefore I've got to work harder for that. Um, and they don't actually hear each other. But, you know, if you don't feel seen... Mm -hmm. It could be something like the arrival of another child makes you feel even more unseen. And these are not happening logically in your brain. They're happening deep down in your unconscious. You're just feeling churning and you don't really know what that churning mm. is. And instead of actually saying, do you know, I've got all this churning, uncomfortable feelings. I think I should talk to somebody about it. You know, um, there might be some problems here that need addressing. Mm. They sort of, they've been told, uh, and our culture says, don't talk, you know, man up, get out there and do something. Um, and so instead they go down the allotment and uh, dig the vegetable patch or whatever it is. But those problems are still there. Mm. Mm. Yeah, you're not, you're not, like the feeling is there. But because you don't want to feel it, you'll do something instead of, talking to someone about it be like i feel this what's going on <laughs> yeah yeah and you're frightened of what you're going to discover when you start talking because it could be painful and difficult and <laughs> yeah it yeah. probably is I, I think that's one of the reasons people hide <laughs> but here is my promise that actually in the long term actually going down and finding out what that pain is about and addressing it will be far less pain than you're going to get from running around trying to avoid that pain. Yeah, it doesn't go away. No, <laughs> no. Not only does it not go away, but the amount of grief you will get from having the affair will be like, you know, a, an Africa-sized amount of stuff, and you'll find your pain is about the size of Gibraltar in comparison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. And... Um... How much of infidelity is driven by emotional connection? Um, this is a really difficult one because um, mm. sometimes it seems that there is emotional connection. But quite a lot of that is actually driven by the excitement of an affair. Um, quite a lot of it is driven by the desperation to run away from the the pain. This is all the unconscious mm. kind of stuff. Um, and some of it will be genuine connection. And it's okay to have genuine connection with somebody. Um, you know, I have, I have uh, friends that I have a connection with because we're both interested in meditation or um, we're both in a writer's group together. Um, so we have connection with all sorts of people They generally tend to be around interests. Um, mm. They're not just um, 
then they're not just a sexual connection. Um, and this is a, a problem particularly for men. Men do not have enough friends. Okay. <laughs> they don't have enough yeah. male friends. And I don't mean acquaintances that they will, that they will um, you know, they'll meet down the pub. People that they genuinely talk to who um, they can tell their problems to and they can listen to mm. the other person's problems. Mm. So we put all our emotional eggs into just one basket, our partner. And therefore we have only connection with our partner um, and if there's a problem there, we feel disconnected, um, and we sort of are, expect our partner to do everything. And, you know, our partner mm. might not be interested in meditation. Um, and that's fine, because, you know, you can go off to the meditation group and meet your meditation friends. But mm. it's so difficult to actually see how much of it is genuine connection and how much of it is a, a desperate need for more friends. Mm. Mm. Yeah, no, definitely. Male, male friendship is different, totally different. It's it's not built on emotional. What well, most of it's not built on emotional connection. I mean that that it's often more be, um, based on beating you at uh, football, or table tennis, or whatever <laughs> yeah. you're playing together, or teasing yeah. each other. Now, unconsciously, there probably is a deeper connection. And, you know, my invitation listening to this to every man is actually talk more deeply to your mates um, but um, yeah. and bring that unconscious stuff up to the surface. Say, you know, I'm having a, a tough time with my wife at the moment. How's your relationship? And I think you'll be surprised. <laughs> I once had a, um, a client who was going to his school's 20th anniversary or something like that um, mm. uh, reunion from, you know, when they, they yeah. left school. And he said, should I tell them that I'm currently in therapy? And I said, well, why not? And so he decided he was going to tell his friends that he was in therapy. And guess what happened? He Everyone looked at him like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> no, he discovered that, in fact, all of his friends either had been in therapy yeah. <laughs> or were in therapy beyond one person that they all agreed should be in therapy. And no one was talking about it, probably. Well, until he brought the... They, they weren't sharing. Yeah, until he brought the topic up and then suddenly the, the, the floodgates opened. They were all... They'd all either had it or were actually <laughs> yeah. in it. Yes. Yeah, so, oh, me too. Me too. <laughs> Yeah, that's one way. Yeah, that's one way of finding out. Yeah, sorry. My next question is: Forgive and forget. Does this work, or does it still play part in a relationship? Um, I have come across people who do forgive and forget, and I think it's a bit like having a stone in your shoe. You know, you can carry on, but what's going to be the long-term impact of it? Mm. Men, so yeah, men in particular are likely to do the forgive and forget um, part of it. Um, women are far less likely to do it because they know that uh, it's just going to the pain is going to turn into resentment and anger and distance. Mm. Yeah, which is a place you don't want to be. It's not pretty. No, no. If you're still holding on to. If you haven't forgiven, sorry, let me get, if you haven't forgiven, what well, you can never forget. So it's more around if, you for, if you're forgiven to move on because the, the memory will still be there. So you can't get rid of that. Yeah, but I think you can sort of grow around it a little bit. It's not going to be the front of your mm. mind. You know, if somebody said to you, has your partner ever had an affair? You wouldn't say, oh, I can't remember if they had an affair. But you're not going to hopefully have the flashbacks of your discovery or imagination. They're not going to be coming all the time. Mm. So, you know, it can go into the back of your mind. I think it's a bit like um, bereavement. 
Um, you don't forget that your mother or your grandmother has died, but it doesn't. It's not at the forefront of your mind all the time. Mind, yeah. It comes back at certain points. So I think if it's a bit like bereavement, you can learn to live with it, um, and you can do something with the pain, which is hopefully um, developing mm. yourself, um, investing in a new, better relationship. Um, if you can't forgive, it probably means there's a very good reason why you can't forgive. And it might be something to do with you. It might be something about one of your internal wounds that you need to understand. Maybe there is somebody you haven't been able to forgive yourself. Perhaps it was your father that left and you've never been able to forgive him. And that might be being a bit of a block to forgiving your husband. Um, mm. It could be that um, actually your partner hasn't done the work. It could be there's still problems with your relationship and something is telling you there's more work to be done. And all I would say to that is, great, roll up your sleeves and let's get down to it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> and my next question is, the expression, they made me feel alive. How much is that to do with your own beliefs about yourself? Um, that, um, have you ever heard of something called projection? Yes. And this is something, uh, yep. So this is, so this, this is, you know, for example, um, this is something that we can't cope with or cannot own ourselves that we push on to somebody else. So a classic example of this would be, um, gay bashing, um, men who go, down to gay cruising areas, stand around there in the cold and the dark to beat other people up. Um, it's probably more about their anger with themselves than being angry with the, the people who are there at the place. It's actually they can't deal with their own gayness, so they try and cure or distance themselves mm. by bashing somebody else. And that essentially is what projection is. Now, you can do that in a negative way and you can do it in a positive way. Maybe you have what's called the golden shadow, where you sort of feel you're dead inside, but all your aliveness, you're not actually recognising. You're projecting it onto somebody else and you're seeing your aliveness over there in the same way you could see your anger. You might be projecting your anger onto your wife. It could be that what you perceive as her being terribly angry all the time is the fact that you're not able to accept um, mm. your own anger. And the opposite way round, you could be projecting all of this loveliness that you have inside onto somebody else. Um, the golden shadow mm. as opposed to the dark mm. shadow. So when you're stuck in that, so with the anger or the joy, like that's, in you but you're not seeing it in yourself you're just projecting on other people like regardless of what they're doing yeah if you don't feel alive and until somebody else shows you you're alive i suggest rather than thinking this person is the answer to all my prayers you should be asking yourself why don't i feel alive why do not I recognise the talents and the wonderfulness inside mm. me? You know, what's actually stopping me from seeing it? Is it old childhood wounds? Have I, am I actually doing, am I doing the right thing with my life? You know, um, I might have been, become a doctor because my mother wanted me to be a doctor. I can't tell you how many clients <laughs> I've had who are doctors whose mothers wanted them to be doctors. And actually they wanted to be a an actor or they wanted to play the banjo or whatever and if you if you really deep down want to be a banjo player and maybe even arrived you were sent to this world to play the banjo if you're going to be a bricklayer you're not going to be happy you're not going to feel alive um and yes somebody telling you you're wonderful and giving you um lots of um, great sex might make you feel alive but I think it'd be much better if you got your banjo out and started yeah, practicing yeah, instead yeah, yeah we seem to think that the the problems is outside <laughs> so we keep seeking we keep seeking for the next um my next question is why do we blame our partner when we have to when we have an affair well 
Um, we have to be the hero of our own lives. So, um, and it's okay for good people to do bad things. So if you think of John Wayne movies, John Wayne is always the hero, isn't he? Mm. And sometimes he does terrible things. He kills people in movies. Mm. And why is it okay for him to kill these people in the movies? Interesting point. <laughs> Never thought about it that way. Because it's the good, we look at him as the good guy. And the other people are? are the bad one because, yeah. Yeah, they're the bad ones. You know, they've stolen. They've stolen the cattle, or they've, mm. uh, or they've um, burnt the the school down, or they've uh, they've raped the schoolmistress, or whatever. Um, and because they're bad people, he can still be a good person and kill them. Mm. So we can still be the hero of our life and a good person because these other people are bad. You know. There's no flies on me. I'm a good person. The reason I cheated was because you were so horrible to me. Yes. So in my own mind, I'm justified. Mm. So that is what is happening. It's what I call how I had an affair rather than why I had an affair. So one of the most natural questions to ask your partner when you discover they've cheated on you is, why did you cheat on me? Now, unless they've done a lot of work the answer they're going to have is because you stink. Yeah, I mean, they'll put it in a thousand yeah. and one different ways, but you're horrible. Um, and that is how they've just... So this is the how they've had the mm. affair. And by how I mean is how they've managed to look themselves in the mirror <laughs> every morning and doing these terrible things. They tell themselves either, you know, I'm so in love I couldn't help myself or my life is so miserable this person doesn't understand me, they're so ghastly, I have to do it. Yes. Um, so what you're going to get from why did you cheat is all the things your partner doesn't like about you um, often, and that will be heard as blaming you for the affair. Well, that is. Um, but the reason why they had an affair is there's something that deep down that they've actually got to, to look at. It's going to be about their wounds. Um, it's going to be about um, how they're looking at the world. It could be that they're on the wrong path. They're the banjo player that's a bricklayer. <laughs> yeah. um, and they're telling you that the reason why I'm stuck being a bricklayer is because I've got to rate you. I've got to pay the money for the mortgage, sort of kind of mm. kind of stuff. But actually, ultimately, this is about the bricklayer. Yes, it's not about you. Um, but they will blame you, and unfortunately, you will blame yourself. You will think, if only I'd been more luscious. If only I hadn't complained about the washing up in the sink not being mm. done, they wouldn't have cheated. Well, no. No, no. Um, unfortunately, to get some control, we put ourselves in the centre of the world. So if somebody cheated, it's because there's something wrong with us. Um, and actually, it's much more likely to be something wrong with them and about the communication between the two of you. Because remember at the very beginning, I said... Why do people have affairs? It's problem plus poor communication plus temptation. Mm. So, you know, why did your partner not complain about you going on about the washing up in the sink? Why were the two of you not able to resolve the washing up issue, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera? Mm. Those are the poor communication things. Um, so there might be things that you could learn from uh, this whole experience that you might want to do differently, but are you to blame for it? No! No, no because uh, I think that's usually what happens. It, they'll blame you, and then you start thinking it's your fault, something that you should have done, something you're not doing. And and then you get angry with them, and they get angry back with you, and you spend the next five hours shouting at each other. Mm, yeah, It's yeah. not a pretty picture. No, no, it's no. My next question, does loneliness play a part? If so, why aren't we working instead of looking elsewhere? Yeah, I think that um, we can have existential loneliness. That, you know, we arrive in this world alone and unless you're a twin... Oh my God, that sounds, um, <laughs> that sounds horrible. <laughs> 
I never think you know, about we it that way. We arrive in this world alone, <laughs> and we're going to die alone. And you know, there are big chunks of time when we spend with other people, but you know, it is the human condition, um, and we can fill ourselves up and not notice these things. But yeah, I think I think um, we live in a society that sort of generates more loneliness that people more and more work at home mm, mm. Um, on a computer they don't have enough human interaction and we work so blooming hard um, most people don't actually have clubs and things that they belong to you know they don't go to dog training on Monday nights and they meet up with all their dog training friends because they can't commit to being in mm. the club because um you know, the boss might need them sort of kind of thing. I I do think we do lead uh, very disjointed, lonely lives. So, yes. But I think if you um, identify loneliness, the best way to deal with it is to address the the existential loneliness rather than thinking, oh, this person is going to provide me with company forevermore. You know, that sort of Disney mm. idea that, I'm going to fall in love with you and I'm never going to be alone again. Um, actually sounds a bit creepy, really. <laughs> it does when you think about it. <laughs> when you think about it, yeah. <laughs> you know, I can't, even go, I can't even go to the shops on my own sort of kind of thing. It's creepy. Yeah, yeah. Like you come in and fill in the gaps. Yeah. Thank you. Does childhood emotion, emotional abuse play a role? Um, I would say yes, and it's not just, and I'm not just talking abuse as in um, sexual abuse or physical abuse, but just sometimes it can be on the surface not, doesn't seem like abuse. So, for example, mm -hmm. um, somebody, um, a father who's just sort of not there, they might physically be present, but they're not really interested or and or a mother who's so depressed she can't get out of bed now it's not no fault of hers but um unfortunately as children because we're the center of the world and we don't have the emotional sophistication to think oh my mother's depressed um she has a medical condition it's nothing to do with me we think she doesn't love us enough to get out of bed and that leaves wounds mm. um now, you're not going to be particularly conscious of them. They're probably going to be unconscious because you've never been given permission to have that pain. You've been told to get on with it. Mm. You, you, Families often don't talk. Mm. Um, so um, you're left to draw these conclusions that you're sort of not even aware of. So we all have childhood wounds every one of us somebody's wound, some people's wounds are greater than others but we all have wounds of some description you know it's impossible to reach our exalted age without getting some wounds <laughs> no. no we all carry things around with us definitely and my next question is thanks andrew for this deciding to stay together after infidelity what kind of things should we be asking ourselves so why do people decide to get to stay together? Often at the very mm. beginning, it's to do with the children. You know, they want to provide a good future for their children. And that is great. Um, actually, over the period of time, you discover all sorts of other reasons, like you still love each other, that there is something special in your relationship that um, you can draw on. Um most times um, you discover through infidelity the reasons why you chose each other in the very first place. Now, mm. and those are not just because, you know, of my beautiful eyes or your extraordinary hair. Um, it's often that we, in some ways, fit into the psychological drama that we've been set by our children. Uh, sorry, not we've been set by our parents. So if you had the father that disappeared, you know, that uh, they were lived in their heads and they didn't really engage, the mm. likelihood is you might find that you're married to a man a bit like that. Um, and what you're, you need to do is find a way 
of getting a balance between being enveloped by somebody and completely and utterly ignored by them. You don't want parents that devour you and you don't want parents that actually aren't interested or appear not interested. So mm. what you're trying to do is you're trying to find a better solution than the ones your parents gave you. So often you find actually what seems to be a problem actually um, is the gateway to a better and more fulfilled life. I, I don't know if I've explained that properly. Um, do you understand what I'm meaning? Yeah, yeah. Like the the affair is the the tragic thing that happened, but with that, there could be when you dig deep, there could be other reasons as to why you're still together, and that might make you better going forward. Yes, and I think you might. Of the, you might actually understand the initial connection, what we in the marital therapy trade call the marital fit. Why did you choose this person? And often mm. one person is a talker and the other person is, you know, don't make a mountain out of a molehill. Mm. Mm -hmm. And what you need is a little bit of a, a, a place in between those two things because um, at one level, we don't want people to be afraid to talk, but at the other end, we would rather like they would shut up occasionally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, it's actually you're going to find the right balance between talking and actually not micro going into the pain. Um, mm. So you find the right kind of place. You find the right amount of closeness because you don't want to be a sort of one person, but you don't want to be so separate. You don't have a separate, relationship. Yeah. Um, yeah. And often we're, our parents have set us one set of examples. So I'll give you a personal example. My parents never spoke about anything. You know, they, they, they were silent. So, you know, that, that, you know, what a surprise I spend all my time talking, but, <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> you've, but two therapists together looking at the ins and outs of their relationship, they would never actually do anything. They'd spend all their time analysing each other. So that would be horrible. So we mm. need to, you need to find a balance between those two things. And so, you know, you will need a partner to complete you who will help you, who's also got some skin in the same game. Uh, you know, yeah. what's the balance between talking and silence, for example? And... So the whole infidelity can show up what the wounds are, what set the marital fit in going, and the work that you do could help you find a better fit together. Yes, yes. Rather than that illusion, oh, I'll find somebody else with whom I have a better fit. But actually, if you don't learn anything, you keep on making the same choices over and over again. So it's better in my belief, to stay and sort things out than imagine you're going to make a better choice next time because the likelihood is you're going to make exactly the same choice the next time round. It's just this time round they've got dark hair rather than light hair. But <laughs> yeah. it's the same blooming picture. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah, different people, same story. And my last question is, how do I get over a partner's affair? Well, um slowly would be my first thing um if you're stuck look deeper in a sense in my book how can i ever mm. trust you again i go through um uh seven stages which i will talk you through um these and it's not a straightforward journey you might keep on going backwards okay. and then coming mm. forwards again um uh but the second time round it generally tends to be mm. a bit quicker mm. So the first one we've talked quite a bit about, which is shock and disbelief. You've just discovered either the affair or something they've been keeping mm. from you, like you thought they'd gone away to visit their grandmother in Scotland, and in fact they went away for a dirty weekend. So, you know, you're going to be shock and disbelief that they could do that. And then you have the the second part, which is intense questioning. You want to know... What did you do in Scotland? Why didn't you go to Scotland? Where did you go? What was the hotel called? What did you have for supper? Um, mm. You know, nothing will be too small for you to want to know. 
Um, and that is fine because you're trying to make sense of everything. You've been kept in the dark. You want to get into the light and know yeah. everything. Then comes decision time. Do you remember I said don't make your mind up too quickly? Yeah. This is the point where you do make your you can begin to make your mind up because you've actually got some information. You're outside the um, shock and mm. disbelief. You might still feel you know completely unmoored, but you do at least have some sense of what it is you're facing, and you can make a more informed mm. choice. After that comes a nice moment, which is called hope. Yes. You sort of think that maybe we might be able to sort this out. Um, and because of hope, you go into what I call attempted normality. So you've got over the initial shock, the drama. Mm. You're going to try and work on this. <sighs> and then you're going to try and pretend that life yes. is normal. Um, and, you know, that's okay. But um, what happens is the next stage comes, which is called bodies float to the surface. Um, and these unburied bodies <laughs> could be facts about your your about the affair. It could be those childhood traumas. Um, it could be your childhood traumas. Um, it could be um, those topics that you didn't really want to yes. talk about, like I hate your mother, etc., <laughs> yeah. um, etc. Et but all these topics float up to the surface where it's going to be unpleasant, but at least you can give them a decent burial. They're not going to be stinking out your relationship mm. anymore. Um, and then the final stage is intense learning, where you're actually... So, you know, I've identified the fact that, you know, because my father um, actually wasn't... was physically there, but not emotionally mm. present that um, I feel invisible lots of time. You know, I've now got to do some intense learning on how am I going to deal with that? How can I feel more yeah. here? Yeah. Um, so that's the intense learning. And there might be intense learning between the two of you that um, you would see me more and we would talk about how that would actually be. Mm. So that would be the sort of intense learning that would need to be done. Yeah. And throughout those stages, you mentioned you can go like like you can be at hope and then all of a sudden you go back to the shock again so it, you can go yeah and the intense the intense questioning and sometimes you know there's not going to be you know after you've just discovered that he hates your mother you're not going to be feel, feeling very much no, hope really no. are you the, the the shock would come back but, again but it, <laughs> yeah you know i thought you didn't yeah. mind her so quite so much but, you know, you could at least then, now it's all out in the open, you know, you might not make him go and visit her every weekend <laughs> yeah. now. Um, um, and you could actually you could actually listen to why he doesn't like her. You know, it could be that he might actually have some fairly valid points to mm. make. Um, and it might be there are things that you need to do um, to stick up for him or protect him a little yeah. bit you know you've allowed your mother to basically say whatever she likes um because you know she's always said that to you but you know that she loves you um he doesn't know yeah, that definitely so you know that is where you might actually be falling back down into pain um um, but it does get better if you keep mm. working um, and there's a lot of resources on the the web. Um, follow me on Facebook, um, follow me on Twitter, listen to my podcasts because it's often about not just infidelity but the skills you need to learn mm. to make better relationships. Yeah. Um it's about actually how to make your life meaningful, how to have enough courage to actually become a banjo player rather than a bricklayer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if that is your you, path. If that's yeah, that of course, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Um that was all my question, Andrew. Well, thank yeah. you very much, James. Thank you for your time. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Really enjoyed that. A lot of learning. <laughs> A lot of learning, so. So have a look at my website, www.andrewgmarshall.com. Definitely.
If you have enjoyed this episode, I would really appreciate it if you could leave a quick review on my Facebook page, Don't Be Afraid to Talk, or DM me on Instagram. The show notes will include all the relevant links from today's episode. If you haven't already, please download, leave a rating, and share with your friends. You might just reach the person who needs to hear this message. Please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. I am James Lumumba, signing off with gratitude.